Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Hey, we're in a series called Urban Legends, Urban Legends, and today I want to talk to you about boxes over bags, boxes over bags, and the idea of this series is this. There's a lot of things you've been told, I've been told, um, that, that are kind of myths or urban legends that we grew into believing, whether we were a child or maybe it was just growing up in church, we've heard things that aren't necessarily true, but we bought into them and we keep believing and we keep buying into them because um, we don't know any better. I remember one of the myths that I bought into when I was small was um, I didn't know you weren't allowed to swallow gum. Um, I did not know that that was a problem. And when I was little, I loved gum. Like if I was gonna go to the store and my parents gave me money or the gas station, I went and bought gum. And not just any gum, but the greatest gum ever created called Big League Chew. So I'm somebody fight with me today. This is fact, not fiction, fact, not opinion. Greatest gum ever made is Big League Chew. But here's the problem. I would put such a huge piece of Big League Chew in my mouth. I'm slobbering everywhere, right? I'm like, like this. Um, I'm drooling everywhere. My sister's like, gross. And then it was so good, I just swallowed it. And I didn't know you weren't supposed to. And I, I remember one week I was staying with my grandparents. They let me have all the gum I wanted. And my, grand, my papa Jones goes, Justin, what? what you know, what'd you do with that gum? I go, I swallowed it. And he goes, what do you mean you swallowed it? I'm like, I swallow my gum every time, Papa. He's like, how many packages of gum have you had this week? And I was like, three. And he's like, and you swallowed all pa- that package of gum, all, th- all three packages? I'm like, yeah, my belly's just sticking out. And he's like, well, you know, you know that that gum won't leave your stomach for seven years. And I'd never heard that. And I stressed, and I was, because even back then, I love Thanksgiving food, and we were right bumping up to Thanksgiving. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to eat Thanksgiving. I'm stressed. I can't go to sleep. Um, and I thought this, I, I never swallowed gum for the rest of my life until just a few years ago. Um, but, because I thought, I thought it sticks around. Um, it doesn't. It passes just like everything else, and we'll just leave it there, right? But, um, There are some myths and there are some urban legends that we buy into that we think, it sounds good, sounds true, feels good, feels nice, so it must be true. And the Bible says this. It says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through 4. It says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. And we're there right now as a culture. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. They'll chase after legends. They will chase after things that aren't real. And where we are, man, it's one thing to do this with gum, but it's a total another thing to do this when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. And the myth I want to talk to you about today is that there are a lot of us that believe in the myth that God wants us to be happy over being obedient. 
There's a lot of us that we think, well, God wants me to be happy. But can I tell you, that's nowhere in the Bible. God's not anti your happiness, but he is way more concerned about your obedience because he knows if you'll be obedient, it will lead you to a better place of life and living in a certain way that will result in joy, in peace, in patience, and along the way, happiness will be sprinkled in. But a lot of us think, well, if it makes me happy, then God must be okay with it. And we have a lot of people that are full, their life is full of pursuing happiness, but empty on obedience when it comes to the Lord. And we've got a generation and generation after generation that is coming up, and we've got tens of thousands of followers of Christ, especially in the United States right now, that thinks it's all about happiness over obedience. And I loved what A.W. Tozer said. He said this, a whole new generation of Christians has come up believing that it's possible to accept Christ without forsaking the world. Man, that is good. And can I tell you the myth and the legend we've come to believe is this, that I can follow Jesus and stay the same. Right, I can follow Jesus and do the same things, act the same way, talk the same way like I always have. I can follow Jesus and hang with the same people, date the same people, conduct myself in my dating relationships and my married life, and I'm, you may not even be dating or married, but I can act, be, do, say, think the same way that I was before Jesus and still be a follower of Jesus. In Romans chapter six, verse one through three, talk specifically about this. And I love how it reads out of the message translation. It says this. So what do we do? Do we keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? And that's where a lot of us are. That's where our culture is. Well, he died on the cross for my sins. You're right. He did die on the cross for my sins. And Paul addresses this. Do we keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, sin is ruling over our lives, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we are going in our new grace-sovereign country. And I want to go back to about verse 2 where it says, Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? And what Paul is saying to us in Romans chapter 6, and really what Paul is saying through the whole book of Romans, if you haven't read Romans, go back and read it. Let me give you some homework. Read the book of Romans this week because it's really applicable for where we are. But what Paul is telling us and what Paul is instructing us that are followers of Jesus Christ. This is true if you say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a Christian. What he is saying is this. It's about moving out and on with no intentions of coming back. Right, It's about moving out and on from the life you were living where sin was sovereign. It's about moving out and on with your life with no intentions of moving back in. If you want to freak somebody out when you go to visit them, especially in the holidays are coming, 
If you wanna freak me out, this is all you have to do when you're coming up, instead of packing your suitcase, pack all your stuff in boxes, right? And put like, label it and have like three or four boxes that are in your car because here's what boxes say without saying a word, I am here to stay, right? I have moved out, I have moved, I'm moving back in, right? Bags, bags say this, I am here to visit with the intentions of going back home, right? Like, I'm okay with bags coming to my house. If you show up with a box at my house, I'm going to shut the door and just say no. Like, no. <laughs> no. Because you're saying, I'm here to stay, right? I've moved out for, hey, I heard you had an extra room. No, I don't. Not for you, right? Like, like I do not have that gift of hospitality. That is not my gifting. When I have gone to Africa, when I've gone to Kenya, when I've gone to Uganda, I have not once ever showed up in Kenya and Uganda with my stuff in a box. I have showed up with my stuff in a bag because I plan on coming back from Kenya and from Uganda. I'm coming home, baby, right? Like, it's not a matter of if I'm coming back, it's when I'm coming back. And yet some of us, this is what our life looks like spiritually when it comes to following the Lord. We haven't packed our life and our old self up in boxes. We've kept it in bags. Right? We, we've, we've kept it in bags because here's why. Because we, we say it this way, I want to keep my options open. Right? Well, what if this whole following Jesus thing doesn't work out? I need to have a fallback plan. Right? What if this relationship with this girl or this guy who's a new believer doesn't work out. I need to have a fallback plan. And you're keeping your options open. Right? You, you may say, well, Justin, I don't go. I don't do what I used to do. But you're still going where you used to go. Can I tell you, you haven't moved to here. You're still living your life here. You haven't left with no intentions of going back. You've left, but if it doesn't work out, if this whole Jesus thing is kind of too hard, if I don't see what I'm really expecting to see, then maybe, maybe I'll just kind of roll back and kind of do my thing. And, and me and Jesus have this understanding, and it's cool, and it's great, and all this stuff. But hear me, any time that Jesus found a person that was living in sin, and when they met Jesus, and they were saved, and their life was changed, there was a transformation that happened, right? When Jesus found the woman, the woman that was caught in the act of adultery was brought before him, and everybody's saying, the law of Moses says to stone her to death, right? And they said, what say you, Jesus? And Jesus said, those of you without any sin cast the first stone. All of them drop the rocks. All of them walk away. And Jesus is just standing there. And he says, where are your accusers? And he, she said, they left. And he said, neither do I accuse you. And he says this key moment. He doesn't just forgive her. He forgives her, but he says this, now go and sin no more. Walk away from the life you were living. Box it up and move on with your life, right? Box it up and realize God has something better for you. I have never in all of my life, when we have moved houses, I've never moved into a new house 
and going back two months later to the new owners that own that house and say, hey, ring the doorbell and show up with my bag and be like, hey, I really miss my old place. Can I stay here for the weekend, right? Like that would be so weird. That's weird, that's dysfunctional, that's not healthy, right? Why, because I've moved on from what I, where I was living to move into where I am living. And some of you, you keep going back and it's weird. <laughs> it's dysfunctional. And your kids are waiting for you to change. Right, your, your parents are waiting on you to change. Your friends are waiting for you to be consistent and box it up and move on to what God has for you, right? It's not about keeping your options open. It's not about you doing things you know you shouldn't do. It's not about you having thought patterns you know you shouldn't have. It's not about saying, well, it's an addiction and God's still helping me. No, no, no. It's about you moving on. And here's what I hear all the time. Well, Justin, I, I know I'm not perfect, but that's what the cross is for. Hear me. I, I get that. And, and we're going to push back and forth on this for a little bit. The cross is there because none of us are perfect. None of us are made right by our own doing or being good enough. You're not qualified because you've been good enough or bad enough. Can I tell you, good people don't go to heaven and bad people don't go to hell. Forgiven people go to heaven. It's not about you being good or bad, right? It's all about you being forgiven. And the cross is there to do for you and to do for me what we couldn't do for ourselves, to bring the forgiveness of our sins. But the cross is not there for you to have a hall pass to go do whatever you want. There is a massive, massive difference. And some of us, we wanna use the cross as a hall pass when that's not how it works. I love the quote that says this, when grace becomes an excuse to live in sin, you are no longer living under grace but under deception. And some of us, that's where we are. We have believed in a myth. We believed in an urban legend that's just not true. It sounds good, but God's saying, no, 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 you're not living under grace anymore. You're just deceiving yourself because you're not just been forgiven of sin. You haven't boxed it up and, and gone and not sinning anymore. You're not trying to follow after me. You've treated me more like a meet and greet instead of a follow and surrender. And can I tell you, when it comes to Jesus, everybody can meet Jesus, but it's not about just meeting Jesus. Jesus says, if you're gonna follow after me, you've got to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow after me. It means you gotta box it up. You gotta box it up and leave the place that you were living for good. And not just the places everybody sees, but even the places nobody sees. I love what it says in 2 Timothy Chapter two, it says, but God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. You gotta box it up. So let me give you this. Our, our sub point on this is you gotta box it up because it isn't going to box itself up. Right, you gotta box it up because it isn't going to box itself up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, right in the middle of the love chapter, love is patient, love is kind, love is serving. You know, like you know, all this, I could have, I could give all my money away, but if I didn't love, I would be bankrupt, right? Like I could go to the stake and be martyred, but if I didn't love, I've gained nothing. I'm just a, a loud, clanging 
gong and cymbal, and none of you want that illustration again, but right there in the middle of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, talking about love, Paul says this in verse 11, he says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. I put it away because those things aren't going to put themselves away. And let me ask you this question, what is your it? What is your it that you need to put in a box and move away? What is it that you need to box up and get out of your life and move on to what God is calling you to move on to? Because we all have an it. Can I tell you, for some of us, the biggest it that you have that you need to change and you need to box it up and move on is your cell phone. Nobody wants to talk about it, but it's true. You're looking at things you shouldn't look at. You're texting people you shouldn't look at. Hey, guys, you've got a contact from your ex-girlfriend, but you're a married man. What are you doing? Oh, I just forgot about it. No, you didn't. Because when me and Casey got married, gone, well, I didn't have a cell phone, so never mind, I'm lying. <laughs> but I didn't look it up and try to get their digits, right? You're texting people you shouldn't. Ladies, you're saying things that you shouldn't. We're looking at things, and it's all right here. It's a ticking time bomb right in our hand. What am I supposed to do, Justin, have a flip phone? Hey, better a flip phone and go to heaven than have an iPhone and, and sacrifice and compromise all your way along life. I'd much rather have a flip phone and be married for 25 years than have an iPhone and sacrifice my marriage in five. And some of you, that's your it. And you can't get control of it because you're still thinking and reasoning and, I, oh, I can handle it. I can. Man, that's what a child thinks. And if you are gonna grow up and change, you've got to put it away because it ain't gonna pack itself up. Your cell phone isn't gonna get out of your life. Some of you, you gotta get it out of your life. For others of you, it's a friendships. And you, but, but we've been friends since mid-high. I get it. We've been friends. We've been through things. But the Bible says bad company corrupts good character. Doesn't matter how long you've known them. Is that your it? Because you're no exception to the rule. And we want to be the exception. And when we think we're the exception, you're believing a myth and an urban legend. You're not the exception. You become the exception. You don't become the exception. You become the victim of your exception. Because you think, oh, it doesn't affect me. No, it absolutely affects you, and it affects me. Some of us, it's the current relationship you're in. When I mean relationship, I'm talking this relationship, right? Like holding hands, your, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. We say, well, I, I know they're not where they should be, right? I, but... but I know they're not a believer. Hear me, you're not called to be a missionary in your dating life. You're not. Well, I've got to be light in the darkness. Go be light in the darkness. Your life should look completely different than the world you find yourself in, but you better not try to be light in your, in your relationship of your dating relationship because hear me, there's too much influence. There's too much temptation. 
Right? That's why the Bible says don't be unequally yoked. Some of you, that guy just got saved and you're like, I want to pray for you. No, 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 no. Oh, they're saved. We're equally yoked. No, you're not. You're fooling yourself. And some of you, you don't want to box it up, but it's not going to box itself up. And when you start thinking like a true mature follower of Christ, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, I understood like a child. I thought I could handle it, I thought I was different, but when I became a man, I put away, when I grew up, I put away childish things. And for some of us, it's grow up Sunday. For some of us, this is the Sunday we grow up and we stop believing in fairy tales and we start following the Bible, even the hard parts. So what's the hard part that the Bible is telling you and me? It's our last point. It's this. It's about moving on and in. It's about moving on and in. Can I tell you, there's got to be a difference between what our life looks like and what the world's life looks like. There's got to be a difference between light and darkness. And if we're going to say we're light, then let's shine like the light does. Right? There has to be this difference, this before and after. There's got to be a difference in my conduct. There's got to be a difference in my finances. There's got to be a difference in what I say and how I gossip in my pride. I'm more humble than I'm prideful. There's more humility. There's more serving that there is a stark difference because it's not just about moving out, right? Like none of us in the history of anybody I have ever met did we box everything up put it in a U-Haul and live in a U-Haul for two years. You don't do that, that's weird. That's frustrating, that's dysfunctional. You don't do that, right? But some of us, that's it, well, I'm not, I'm not where I used to be. I'm not, I'm not living that life anymore, but you haven't moved into the life that God has for you, right? You're just driving around in a spiritual U-Haul and it's time for you to move into the house and to the place God has for you because this, the fun part of Christianity isn't avoiding evil. Can I tell you, that's no power in that. But the power comes when you start stepping into the will that God has for you, for the plan that God has for you, that, you, that he came that you might have a life and have it to the full. That happens when the will of God becomes a reality in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ Jesus has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. 1 Corinthians chapter 4.20 says this. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. I love this verse. A lot of us, we're really good at talking but really bad at living. Kingdom of God isn't just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. Can I tell you, um, I've got time. I love this. I love this service because I can preach for a little bit. <laughs> My old gym, there was a trainer. And um, you had to pay a lot of money for trainers. And when I went in, I, like if I'm expecting you to be a trainer, I expect you to look different than everybody at the gym, right? Because it's what you do, right? I mean, I'm just being honest. If that's shallow and, and just immature of me, I'm still putting away childish things. But that's what I thought. And there were some trainers that did, and this guy comes to me. He's got the biggest Dr. Pepper from Quick Trip you could possibly get. It's seven in the morning, and he's drinking this massive Dr. Pepper, 
he's in way worse shape than me. He's like, hey, when are you gonna let me train you? And I'm like, bro, when am I gonna let you? When you look like something different than what I try not to look like, then I will let you train me, right? Like, I need you to look and be different if you're gonna take me somewhere different. Can I tell you, I think the world is so burned out of church because we are saying, oh, we're different, we're different, but there's nothing different to our lives. We're talking, but we're not really different. And the Bible's saying this, it's not just a bunch of talk, right? It is about living by God's power. Man, we are called to live powerful, big lives. That's why the Bible says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. That means there's nothing, if God is in it, there is nothing you cannot do, right? If I want what God wants for the reason God wants it, I'm unstoppable and unbeatable. We should be living big lives, not talking a big life, not talking a big show, but we are living and engaging in the things that God has called us to engage in. And we can't do that until we box up what was old, what our it was, that we stop thinking like kids, then we move on and we move into what God has for us to be and who he's called us to be all along. There is a massive, massive difference. And some of us, we're still here because we're just trying to avoid evil and not do wrong, but we're not stepping into the good God's called us to be. And today, my prayer, today my hope as your pastor is that this is your step in and your moving day. Colossians chapter two, I close with this. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Maybe somewhere along the road, Maybe somewhere along the line, you just stopped. You stopped following them. You thought, man, I'm doing better than most. You started comparing here instead of listening here. And Paul is saying this, just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Be rooted, be deep, and let your lives be built not on the latest urban legend, not on the latest myth, not on the latest trend, not on what people are telling you, but let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anybody capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. So let's have some real talk as we end. Some of you, the truth is, you need some hard change. Some of you, you need hard change because there's some of you, you know what the real reality is, but nobody else does. Can I tell you, hard change comes from hard choices. Some of you have a hard choice because you're gonna have to come clean with some stuff. You're gonna change your habits. You know what I found out? When I change my habits, people ask me, well, why are you doing that? Hard change comes from hard choices. But the refusal to make the hard choice that leads to hard change, if you don't do that, can I tell you, you're going to be dealing with hard consequences that brings a lot of regret. You are. There's two choices here. Oh, Justin, I don't like the way that sounds. Me either. <laughs> but it's the reality. It's truth. So what do you need to change today? 
Because if you're not going to change today, when are you? Right? If, if you're not going to change today, when's the moment? Well, it's just not right yet. It's just not right for me to do my life the way God's. Well, when's that day going to come? Because I would rather be proactive in picking the change than having to change, right? It's a lot better when you get the option of changing instead of, dadgummit, I got caught, now I gotta change. And some of you, there's a hard choice you need to make. You can keep going and living your life like this and fooling everybody, but the, the goal of life isn't to fool everybody, it's to, it's to follow the one. It's to live for an audience of one, and that means packing up your old life, moving on and making the hard choice to move on and to move into what God has for you because he came that you may have life and have it to the full. And the only way you experience the full life is to be obedient to his commands because John said it this way in 1 John. He says, if we love God, we obey his commandments because they are not burdensome. It's not that hard to do, is what the New Century Version says. Are you obeying the, are you being obedient to the commands of God? Because can I tell you, it's a better way for you to live. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. God, I ask right now that you would invade darkness with light. The Lord, where we may have bought into a myth, that we would understand truth and we wouldn't be captured by man high sounding nonsense as the word of God says by empty human thinking and philosophies but we would not base our life on the latest trend on the latest philosophy on the latest thing that sounds good but our life would be based on something that is way more fundamental and foundational and stable than that and it be based on your word and so I pray today that our life would be based and built on your word that you didn't just come to forgive us, Lord, that's just the beginning of the story. But that we would deny ourselves, pick up our cross and fall after you. Lord, the, the, the beginning of the woman caught in the act of adultery just started at forgiveness. The significance started for her, for the woman at the well. The significance of her story started when she got back to the town and started telling everybody to come meet a Savior who told her and forgave her of everything she had done. Lord, it's about the following, and I pray today this would be our Grow Up Sunday. This would be our moving out Sunday and moving into the life you've called us to experience to be obedient in and to live out. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.